Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? March 20th edition of the Fightful MMA Podcast. First day of spring, some warm weather. Yours truly, once again, wearing short sleeve shirts. Got my Titan FC shirt on, showing some love to them, not because I'm the play-by-play guy, but because I'm absolutely honored. It's a pleasure uh, to have on a guy I've known for a very long time. Uh, met him long before uh, he turned pro, uh, Jose Shorty. Torres, the Titan FC flyweight champion, who's also fighting uh, in a couple of weeks, or at least in a couple of months, I'm fighting for another title, if I'm not mistaken. Shorty, what's going on, my man? Hello. Uh, everything's great, man. Yeah, Titan FC 43, May 19th is the next card. Uh, sadly, a little delayed, longer than what I wanted, but, you know, hey, it's it's a tough fight, and, you know, more practice for it. Yeah, so this is for the actual belt, for, for Sheripoff's belt, am I correct? Yes, sir. So hopefully... You know, I win that. I get my own another custom-made belt. I get to have two belts, do the whole Conor McGregor or Tom Firekid type scheme. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that the UFC denied me after I beat Pedro Nobre. So instead of fighting, no offense to anyone in my, you know, the contenders coming up, but instead of fighting guys who are nobodies or have no names yet, you know, I'd rather fight somebody who's already, you know, created a legacy, who's been there for a while, like Pedro Nobre. You know, Farquhar Sherpaw's the next guy up and, I mean, if I win two belts, something that Titan FC's never had before, I mean, it's hard for the UFC to deny me. So for those that don't know, after the fight, uh, when you defeated Nobre, uh, many of us were, especially Kamara Usman, Kush and I, uh, calling the fight. I mean, it, it was a bit of an eye-opener because there was an expectation that fight was going to go uh, at minimum three minutes or three rounds, excuse me, uh, if not the full distance because he's technically your toughest test to date. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, it ended fairly quickly, um, much to the surprise. And I know afterwards when we were backstage uh, taking care of our own uh, business backstage, uh, I actually said goodbye to you. I said goodbye to you. I said goodbye to your family. I said goodbye to everyone because I said, this is it. This is the last fight I'm ever going to call. Uh, I was convinced you were gone. You were going to the UFC. Um, we'd already lost Timothy Elliott. You came in, replaced him. Fantastic uh, champion. Gone. It's It's just the nature of the beast. Then I see you in the main event for the next Titan card. Are, were you as surprised as me that you didn't get the call from the UFC? Um, so, you know, Lex McMahon's a very good friend of mine. And he, you know, after the fight, you know, came up with his cell phone, texted Dana White for me. I was like, oh, man, this is perfect. I got my inside link. This is this is my way in. 
Um, I did everything the UFC wanted me to do. So when he was talking to um, Sean Shelby and McMaynard, the very first thing that McMaynard said, he, he goes, who's Jose Shorty Torres? I don't, I don't know this kid. And I'm like, oh, that's, oh, that's a good sign. Um, and then when we talked to Sean Shelby, Sean Shelby's like, it's great, but there's no no reason for us to call him up. He's only 4-0. Even though he just beat a veteran, he did everything we wanted him to do. We're going to put him against top 10 guys, and it's just not going to be beneficial for them to fight Shorty. It's like, oh, you know, I beat a 4-0 guy. It doesn't, you know, improve me any. And, oh, man, I just lost to a 4-0 guy. Uh, now I look really, really bad. You know, so I get it. It just sucks on my part. Um, and then later on that week, Ian McCall's opponent, you know, had to uh, – had to back out because of family problems. So I was like, oh, it's my way in. Nobody's going to want to fight a top 10 guy uh, last minute, maybe with two weeks. I was still close to wait. And they said again, hey, man, we just we just don't want you right now. You got to get more fights. So, again, instead of fighting low-level guys with no names, let's fight. You know, let's put top fights. And I want to show the UFC I'm, I'm in a sense, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, like, hey, if you want me to fight this type of fight, I'm more than happy to. Win or lose, I'm just here to put on a show. That's my job. So when they say you need to fight more fights and then the balance of, of, of taking on people that are a bigger challenge, obviously a bigger fighter in Sharapov, uh, where do you guys, like, where's the balance going to be drawn? I mean, is it going to have to be like, what, three or four more fights or just each fight on its own, a quality opponent that is supposed to be better than the guys that you, like you said, contenders that are coming up? You know, that one, I don't know. They never gave me a set number. If they go, hey, you need one more, you need, need to be at least five another move up, and, you know, so be it. I would probably just fall to another 25-er, but for me, I want the biggest challenge of my life. I want every single fight to be tough, and, you know, I want to create my own legacy. I don't want to go in there fighting a bunch of, again, no-name guys, and everyone's like, ah, he's good, but he's not fighting the best. You know, for me, I want to be able to show that I'm able to fight 25, 35, and when I'm in the UFC later on in my, you know, in my years, maybe I won't be able to make 25 as healthy anymore. Maybe I want to move up to 35. I want to show people that I can take last minute fights at 35. And even against some of the best, you know, I'm not afraid to fight anyone. And I know Sharapov is a good opponent. I mean, he fought and beat a bigger Andrew Whitney for people who saw that fight. And that was a very, very close split decision. And he just used his veteran skills and his experience to win that fight. Um, I want to see him do that against me. And I want to see what I can do against him. I mean, again, I respect the guy to the fullest. For what people don't know, I had to, in a sense, force this guy to fight me. I had to make Instagram posts, Twitter posts, everything possible, you know, to, to just get this fight to happen. And uh, I believe it's a win-win for both of us, realistically. You said Sharapov's a veteran. And if you watch, if anyone has seen him fight, um, Frank's a veteran. He's very, he's cagey. I like to use the word cagey when it comes to Sharapov because he's not going to push it if he doesn't have to push it. Uh, but if he needs to turn up the gas, he's going to turn it up. He's going to press the pedal. Um, when you assess him, um, more on your thoughts in terms of his style because he's fought pro boxing before. He's fought on some big undercards, on some big events. Uh, so his boxing is there. Uh, obviously, when you take on a guy like Whitney, you got to keep uh, you got to keep your distance. You got to keep your space. But uh, if we're going to be realistic, Whitney's fast, but you're a one twenty five er. You're much faster. How important is speed going to be in this fight versus a KG veteran like that? It's gonna be huge. Yeah, I'm a small guy, and he's uh, much bigger than I am. He's taller. He's most likely going to be stronger, or at least I'd hope he'd be stronger being the higher weight class. And he has a lot more experience when it comes to pro-level, hard-hitting guys. You know, so watching, given I've only seen one fight of his, and that's probably something sad that I haven't done yet, I haven't watched any film, um, is when he fought Andrew Whitney, and I was the, the Twitter commentator for that, if you want to say, he he just literally used his experience level of going, oh, Andrew Whitney's doing this, and he's beating me this way. All right, I just got to change it up a little bit. And that's why he won the fight is Andrew Whitney, in, in a sense, was just looking out for that knockout. He was just going the same stuff over and over and over again, 
which usually works for him and was working early on in the fight. But, you know, Sharapov was able to change it up, use the veteran experience to go, ah, this isn't working for me. I got to change it up. He analyzed the situation and he was able to do what he did. He did just enough to win. But when you have a guy like myself that does nothing but push forward, I mean, Pedro Nova hits hard. and He was ripping shots against me, but no offense to anyone, but that doesn't faze me. I like to put myself through that battle. I like to see what you have and, I'll probably end up being the same type of situation against Sharapov. I like to start off the slow, uh, start off real slow to see, hey man, what do you got to offer me? And from there, then I have to analyze what you're going to do next and keep on going. For me, I was able to figure out Pedro Nobre a lot faster than what we all expected. Um, that was overall because of my training in Denver, and you know I'm going back there again to to train for Sharapov. I was going to ask you that same question because when I contacted you yesterday to see what your availability was like, uh, thankfully you're home uh, where there's only one hour difference between my time zone and your time zone. Uh, but I'm a little sad, uh, greedy sad, because you, if you got to go over to the West Coast, pretty much the West Coast, there's going to be a bigger time slot or time space uh, between us. Um, when are you leaving and what's in store for you when you get out there? Um, so I leave to Denver April 3rd and I'll be out there all the way until May 12th. Um, Overall, TJ likes me a lot, which is a great thing. TJ uh, Dillashaw, people are asking. It's TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, TJ Dillashaw. So he's he's a very, very serious, serious gamer. Like at any time you're in practice, if you can't handle his pace, he doesn't want to go with you. Um, and when I was there helping him for Lineker, it was just him and I. There was no one else involved in the situation. Eventually, you know, Eric Shelton was there. Frankie Signs would show up. But it was just him and I 100% most of, the, most of every day. Um, and that guy, again, goes 100%. He's sparring you to, to, in a sense, kill you. You know, And it's one of those things that if he knocks you out, that's your fault. You ran into that punch. You ran into that kick. You should have dodged. My bad. You know, um, But overall, that that's what helped me against Pedro Nobre. You know, I was going against a bigger, faster, hard-hitting opponent. And with TJ Dillashaw, that guy does not stop moving. He's at his angles, head movement. His punches and kicks are literally coming from everywhere. And you got Dwayne Ludwig, a very, very fantastic stand-up coach who's coaching him against me, which I'm like, ah, oh, man, this really sucks. So I'm hoping to do that again to prepare for Sheriff because, again, I'm moving up a weight class. I'm moving up against a guy who's a veteran. I mean, if I'm able to do very well against one of the best weights in the world in UFC history, I think I'll do very well against Sheriff You basically took the words straight out of my mouth. Um Working with Dwayne Ludwig, uh, who has a different mindset when it comes to striking, uh, very technical, um, I would say very, he's very systematic. You do this, and it's followed by five or six different things, and the reason why it works is because of these various reasons. Um, and I noticed when you were shadow boxing, because from you, when you were shadow boxing before you went out to, to Denver, to when you're shadow boxing now, I just looked at you and I said, yep, he's been with Dwayne. Yep, this is a different guy altogether. Uh, can you talk about what it's like working with Dwayne? Uh, I can tell you the very first week I was there was with like Tim Elliott when he was getting ready for Demetrius Johnson. This was for the December 2nd card before Pedro Nobre had to pull out. I was only there for two uh, two weeks. And, you know, Joseph Benavides, TJ, Eric Shelton, uh, Juan Archuleta, Tim Elliott, like I said, and just so many more people. It, being out there with those guys was awesome. Being out there with Dwayne and his specific kickboxing or Muay Thai classes, it – I felt like a white belt all over again going to a new gym. It was, it was a good feeling of like, oh, there's so much more to learn. But it was that, man, I'm just pissed off because I, I feel so brand new. I feel so dumb when I'm usually at my gym or other gyms being the veteran. Like, oh, yeah, I know this already. I know that already. Where I'm at Dwayne's and he's telling us to switch stances, flow, and move, and just kind of go with the flow instead of 
having your regular, you know, shadow box situ situation and having that same muscle memory. So the very first two weeks that I was there, I was just aggravated because I just, you got guys who don't know in a sense that haven't been in the cage, you know, they know the, the bang Muay Thai um, classes, but they've never been in a real life situation, but they're flowing like they know. And I'm like, how you've never been in this situation, but you guys are flowing like nothing, you know, looking like TJ in a sense at times. And I'm like, this is, I just felt so belittled. But the next time I came with TJ to help with the Lineker fight, that's all I did was really focus on that. And uh, it helped out a lot. You know, we saw my last fight. I was able to just go with the flow. You know, whatever you're throwing, I'm able to have a counter and being able to, just in case, you know, if I end up in the switch stance, I'm able to flow that way as well. I can't be like, oh, hold on. Wait, we're, I'm, I'm a softball. Let me, let me switch my stance again because I, uh, you know, moved out of position. So it's, it's really, really cool. Everything's flowing. And it might not be 100% my style of switching stances, moving all these crazy angles, but it's something amazing, amazing, amazing to learn. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the Titan FC flyweight champion. You can follow him online at ShortyTorres125 uh, on Twitter. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm looking at your Instagram. Uh, is it just Jose Shorty Torres? Yes, sir. All right. So Shorty Torres125 on Twitter. Uh, Jose Shorty Torres, all one word uh, on Instagram. What about Facebook? Jose Shorty Torres MMA. Jose Shorty Torres MMA on Facebook. Make sure you give him a follow. Uh, an extremely charismatic individual. Uh, and I say that... Uh, with full bias, obviously, because I know the guy, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, follow yours truly, yeah, Joe Faro at, at Showdown Joe on social media. Mine are all the same on all three Instagrams, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, at Fightful MMA. And make sure you hit FightfulMMA.com for all of your mixed martial arts news. Um, one thing I like to ask guys, and especially guys that I know personally that train, for example, uh, at their home gym. Then they go to, for example, Dwayne's, or they go to Faraza Hobbies, TriStar, or, or they go to Greg Jackson's, which you've also been to as well. When they come back home, sometimes their instructor is kind of puzzled uh, and either has the attitude where it's like, no, no this is wrong, or, oh, okay, well, why this or why that? So obviously with Master Bob, uh, who's another character to say the least, um, what did Master Bob say when you come home and he sees this different evolution of a guy he's known from such a young age? Um. For Master Bob and I, you know, we had, from the very start, this is for all the amateurs, all the pros really trying to come up and trying to, not in a sense change styles, but get different looks. My gym's been around for years, 23 years now, I think 24 soon. And when we first started going, hey, I, I want to travel the train, it was, it was, uh, it was more of a struggle because Master Bob's had a few big level pro guys, Shoney Carter, Terry Martin, Mike Russo, they wanted to leave, you know, and when they left, they just left. They never came back, stuck to the roots with being loyal. They just left. That's it. I have another trainer. Ah, this is more amateur stuff for me. Master Bob is, you know, in a sense, saved my life when I was 16. He's, he's a mentor. He's my best friend. He's my, my coach. He's my guy. You know, he's, he's another father figure for me. And so when I decided to go to Greg Jackson and go all these places, it was more of, hey, man, I'm really just looking for the looks. I need to fight pro-level guys and, you know, put myself in those real-life situations because if I don't do that, if I don't get out there, I mean, you've given me all the skills I've, I have today, all my judo, all my boxing, everything whatsoever, but if I don't go out there and use it against pro-level guys who've already been through the grind, then I'm probably going to lose eventually against low-level guys because I'm not ready for that type of talent yet. Um, mainly going against Titan FC, which are, you know, I feel like is that the UFC feeder program, it's right there. I think it's a top-five promotion in my eyes. It's right there next to all these big time promotions and Titan FC is that promotion that goes, Hey, if you win one, if you win two, if you win, you know, a, a really significant fight, you might get called up to the UFC and you're fighting the best of the best, you know? So 
I think everyone in Titan FC is UFC caliber. It's just, you know, being able to get the chance to get called up, you know, being able to finally go to Dwayne's or Jackson Wink or um, San Diego Combat Academy and so many more. It's, it's nice to know that I can get different looks, learn the things that they have, and put that into my skill set and then come back home and still focus on the basics that I've been growing up on. And being able to use that, you know, in the cage, Master Bob knows all my roots. He knows my basics. He teaches me every single day, whether I'm at Greg Jackson or all these other gyms. He calls me every single day, and, you know, we talk about certain situations like, hey, John Dotson caught me with this. Um, how, do I, how do I work out of it? He'll even send me videos of how to get out or how to even better the situation. So Master Bob's with me even without being really with me. At such a young age, you have worked with, obviously, Bang, TJ. Uh, you were in the same room in Bahrain with Nurmagomedov, Frankie Edgar. Uh, you trained with BJ Penn, um, Greg Jacksons. Uh, do you ever sometimes think to yourself, holy smokes, how did I get here? Or is it like, no, this is part of the evolution? Or is it just a mixture of everything? You know, it's funny. Khabib was the reason I got signed to Titan FC. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but that's another story. But being able to go against these guys, you know, you see them on TV, you grow up with them, mainly against the veterans like Frankie Edgar, um, you know, John Dotson and Swanson and all that, BJ Penn. And being able to go, I remember the first time BJ Penn uh, um, came up to me, I was at Jackson Wink, just sitting down and getting ready for the sparring day. And he comes up to me, getting ready for um, uh, his, his return. I can't remember against who, one of the guys that uh, Conor McGregor beat. Um, but he's coming up to me and he goes, Hey Shorty, uh, you wanna you wanna get some rounds in? I need a wrestler. I need a you know smaller guy who's just you know powerhouse and group. Can you uh you go in there and beat me up, please? I'm like, <laughs> he's talking to me, and everyone's just kind of looking at me like, dude, BJ Penn said to go in there and beat him up. Like BJ's just a super super humble guy. He just goes in there and enjoys himself. I'm like, ah, sure, you know. And it was it's awesome to know that I can hang with some of the best as well. You know, um, it's really really cool to be able to go. Hey man, uh. I, I hear TJ is is you know UFC veteran. He's you know uh, the former bantamweight world champion. He's one of the best in the world. And now I go up against him, and I'm doing very well. And now he's paying me to come back to you know be his sparring partner against John Lineker. I'm like, I'm not even in the UFC yet, man. I only have three fights. This is this is awesome. This is very unheard of in in anything so far. And again, I'm trying to be a pioneer in amateur MMA. And I'm trying to be a pioneer now as a professional. And it's it's really cool to know that I've sparred against so many guys that have already created their own legacies. You know, I'm just trying now to create mine. For those that have followed my career, uh, I've been a proponent of amateur mixed martial arts probably since the late 90s. Uh, and I tried it here in my province of Ontario throughout the 2000s uh, and, and obviously had to give up. People, for people that know the story, it was a very political situation. Just gave up completely. I just firmly believed uh, and took a look at the model that we have here in Canada where hockey is king. It's all about hockey. Uh, you know, but people will, will, will make the argument. The best hockey players in the world come from Canada. The vast majority of them come from Canada. But there's, it's because there's a minor hockey league system. And the kids are developed from when they're six years old, seven, eight, all the way through a junior system uh, that gets them drafted accordingly to when they get to the big leagues, the NHL. And I thought to myself, well, this is something that's required in mixed martial arts because, I'm, in my opinion, uh, I, I'm, I was always sick and tired of people stepping into a cage, oh and oh, just because their coach wanted to get a name and, and, and put throw people, guys or girls, into a cage or into a ring. And I said to myself, no, amateur MMA is where, where it needs to happen. And the system that I had developed here, which we tried to instill here, it's a little bit different than, than what you grew up with, Shorty, uh, the Interna International Mixed Martial Arts Association. Uh, we had a, I, I had developed a system where there was a basic 
intermediate an advanced level of amateur mixed martial arts. Basic, obviously, you're wearing a lot more equipment. You win five fights or you compete in five fights. Equipment gets removed as you move up to intermediate. The rules get adjusted to a little bit closer to pro, and then you continue there. You compete five times there, and then you get to the advanced level, remove a bit more equipment. Then you modify the rules just simply with no knees or elbows uh, to the point where you can then compete. Uh, You've competed 15 times Five at beginner, five at intermediate, five at advanced. You've competed 15 times now as an amateur. Now you can jump into a to a as a professional mixed martial artist, O and O. But you've had 15 fights under your belt. You are a testament. You're the perfect example of someone that grew up in the amateur system. I think it was 25 fights, if I'm not mistaken, on the amateur yeah. side, making your pro debut a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah, it was actually much much easier. And the biggest thing is. You know, I had two reasons why I stood amateur for so long. One was when Ma- when I signed with Master Bob and I was going to turn pro, he goes, or excuse me, when I was turning amateur, he goes, you have to automatically get 20 fights. I've had so many pros, you know, amateurs turn pro out of, you know, five fights or even in the neighborhood get five fights and they're a big fish in a little pond. Then they face another big fish and, you know, they get their butt kicked because they've never fought that type of style before. You know, I'm not saying out of my 26 fights, I fought every single style, but I can say I fought a majority of it. And I know how to react because of it. So that was one. And then the other fact was I ended up getting the full ride to school. So my coach was like, ah, I don't even care about 20 fights because I know you're going to get it. Now you can't turn pro until you graduate and get your bachelor's degree. So like, ah, all right, cool. Get my bachelor's degree. And I ended up winning my second world championship, which for me was my stepping stone and saying, hey, I did everything I needed to do. No one, no amateurs ever done this before. I'm ranked pound for pound, the best fighter, two years in a row as an amateur. Might as well move up. Like, there's nothing more for me to accomplish as an Amy. And now being signed immediately to a top five promotion like Titan FC, it's, you know, it's a UFC feeder program. You can't ask for anything better. I don't have to go through the struggle of fighting small local shows just to get noticed by the bigger show. Um, but it's, you know, the biggest thing I tell people, it's like, you got to travel, not just to train, but to fight. You got to fight other big fish. And if you lose as an amateur, I'd rather you lose as an Amy than lose as a pro. And now you have to win two or three just to come back from that. You, know, you see so many people struggle of, they go 5-0, and maybe 6-7-0, and then they turn pro and they lose their first one. You know, they have all this hype, but they've never fought that type of style before. If you want to be good at something, you have to practice for it, just like in any profession. You know, for us, we just have to take a little more beating to get better. You know, and uh, hey, it's made me what I am today and, you know, got to get me signed to Titan FC. And actually, uh, the story with Khabib, I was rolling with Khabib. Um, I don't know if you actually were there that day, but I ended up, got to, I ended up getting the roll with Khabib. Because uh, Lex McMahon's like, oh, yeah, sure, you go with him. And Khabib's like, 190. <laughs> no, you know why? Because I showed up the next day. It was th- that Lex told me, he's like, I got shorty to roll with Habib. And I was like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if that was a good idea because Habib's missing a few screws whenever he trains. But sorry, go ahead with your story. The funny thing was, see, Lex didn't know me. I didn't know Lex. I didn't know anything about Titan FC. You know, I, I knew a little bit about Alex Soto because I saw him fight a few times. And he goes, hey, Alex Soto's fighting for Titan FC 35. Um, you guys are the same weight class. Do you mind having a sparring match? But if it goes, you know, too hard and, you know, you're not hanging with him, I'll, I'll, I'll cut it loose. And, um, sure, cool, thanks, Lex. You know, like, he doesn't know who I am, and that's fine. You know, so I put on my gear, and I end up doing very well against Alex. And he goes, so what's, what's your name again? I was like, oh, it's Jose Shorty Torres, you know, going throughout my day. And then the next day, it's all of us sparring, you know, a nice little KHK MMA sparring session. And Khabib just wanted to keep on rolling. You know, I just got done sparring with Islam Makhachev and this other, some of the other Dagestani guys. They're all freaking huge. Um, so I was like, yeah, hey, Khabib calls me over. He's like, hey, come on, show it to you. Let's, let's go. I'm like, oh, oh, God. All right, cool. 
So I start going with him, and he's ridiculously strong. But, you know, we're going, going, going. Everyone's already done. You know, uh, Frankie Edgar's talking to Lex, and everyone's just watching us. And Khabib can't take me down on the wall. It takes him, takes him like a good minute, minute and a half to take me down. And I'm like, ah, dude, Khabib can't take me down. And he finally gets me down, beats the crap out of me. I mean, the guy knows so much. It's it's ridiculous. But just having fun with him and him teaching me stuff after and, and what to do if I if he does this, what to do if he does that. So after that, he goes, hey, uh, you want a four-fight contract to tighten up C? <laughs> I was like, what? You know, because I was able to go so well with Khabib, and learn so quick and do very well against guys who are much bigger than I am. Just like, like, dude, you want a contract? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that sounds awesome. You take a look at Habib, and people don't really. If you've never met Habib, it's it's a very it's he's difficult to understand. Some of it comes out in some of the media stuff that we see, some of the videos that we see. But this is a guy who's he always has his arms open. He's friendly to everyone, kind to everyone. But when it comes when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's the training. It's serious business, even if it's for a minute or even if it's for three minutes or five minutes. But then as soon as it's over, he's back to just being that joking self. Or like you said, he's a teacher. He'll explain things to you. But he's that one guy that it's, it's not like a, he's got like these split personalities, but he can turn triggers on and off real quick and be a different person. But for the most part, he's so kind. He's so generous. Uh, even Islam. Islam was, was no joke, man. When they started going with the English guys, I'm like, someone's going to get hurt here, man. I'm turning my camera off. I don't want to. I don't want to record this. Like these guys are throwing people around, and they were going pretty hard. And it was a fantastic time over in Bahrain. We're, uh, sorry, guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen that are tuned in right now. Uh, we're talking about our time over in Bahrain uh, two summers ago. Was it? Uh yeah, two summers ago now. Yeah, I, it was. We, we were we were guests of uh, the Prince, um, putting together the KHK team, uh, and it was just it was. It was you know, a, a lifelong bucket list experience uh, for yours truly. I mean, I've been around the sport for a very long time, coming up over 20 years, uh, but to go over to travel uh, to the Middle East, uh, to be a guest of a prince, uh, to be in the same room of so many guys. And, you know, you look at, at, at who was in there originally 
and who's like looking at you right now because I go back there and it's like you know this this is this guy he's he's seasoned you know this this Torres guy is seasoned uh, and I would call him the Torres guy because my mother's maiden name was Torres uh, so someone were related who knows uh, but I was like this this kid there's something about this kid here and no matter what always smiling I'm like dude man you're punching people out you're getting punched out like. I know we're going to the pool after, or we're going to get something to eat, or we're going on some sort. Where do we go? The souk? We went to the souk in the middle of t- or in the middle of the thing, and I'm like, "How is this guy smiling? He took an ass whooping, and he gave out an ass whooping like three hours ago. Like, what's going on here?" It's Bahrain was a good experience. I made a lot of friends. I still talk to Shahalid every day. Uh, I actually WhatsApp him all the time just to just talk rap and have fun. He's he's a very very good guy, and he helps out a lot. You know, if it was for him, my first year as a professional, I would have been working. You know full-time job and that's the experience he gave me was i was able to have enough money to travel and to train with some of the best without worrying to you know worrying about money and having to go oh, i gotta go to work and oh now i'm too tired from work i don't want to go train and that's some of the problems that a lot of professionals and starting professionals have to deal with because it's it's a struggle i mean even some of the guys in ufc stuff to work a full-time job because it's not enough money to uh, get by you know training's a lot of money and being able to train with some of the best is even more you know so uh it's 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 a struggle, but man, KHK MMA did a lot for me, and I'm very, very happy to even still be a part of it. And uh, just ex- the experience itself, I mean, what do we stay in? A five-star hotel. The place is amazing. Everything was taken care of. You know, we we all practically almost didn't spend a dime. You know, I remember the first day there, they go, uh, hey, everything's in the house, room service. If you want to go to the, the restaurant down the block, everything's through the hotel, so you're fine. The first day... Um, we didn't know the money difference, Master Bob and I. So we ended up going to the, uh, the little fish store or the fish restaurant that they had, seafood restaurant. And we ended up getting lobster, all these, like pretty much the bill itself was like 600 bucks, but we didn't know it. It said like 100, and it was like 200 BD. We're like, oh, 200 BD, um, pull out our American dollars. Oh, cool. It's all, we'll give them like 50 bucks tip. I don't know. We belittled the guy and it was ended up being times three. So if it was 200 BD, it's $600 American. So we're like, oh, man, like we feel so bad, but everything was in the house. Like he just took care of us. Um, so and that was a very generous thing to do with people he just doesn't even know. So it was an awesome, awesome experience. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a lesson for myself uh, and for Lex. Uh, I don't know if you were there the second to last night or the last night we were there because, you know, we, you're to- everything is included with the exception of booze. You're in the Middle East. <laughs> You know, you, if you if you Americans or Canadians want to have booze, there's a bar over there later on at night. They've got a nice show. They've got nice bands playing, blah, blah. And it was it was beautiful. And I started at the end of the trip. I started getting that sore throat because for those that that don't know the story, I, I was in I was in Italy when I got the call from Lex saying uh, I need you to come to Bahrain uh, to do some stuff uh, with us. I said, OK, no problem. And I just happen to be in Italy right now. He's like, perfect. You can fly from Rome. I said, no, I've got to get my family home back to Toronto and then I'll come. He's like, well, can you leave the next day? And I was like, okay. So flew home, uh, literally did laundry, slept, left the next day and traveled from Toronto to uh, Amsterdam, six hour layover, down to Abu Dhabi, an hour and a half layover and then over to Bahrain. So I'm I'm exhausted. My body's going through whatever it's going through, obviously, with the, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of being in, in airplanes because of the recycled air and stuff like that. So I'm feeding myself, uh, you know, what's called emergency or basically vitamin C supplements, uh, oil of oregano, trying to get my body uh, to recover. But at the end of the trip, uh, the end of the Bahrain trip, I started getting ill and I could feel my throat getting sort of sore and stuff like that and said to myself, okay, I'm going to go old school, man. I need brandy. 
I need brandy. I need cognac. I need something that's going to burn it uh, so I can go to sleep. So we go to the bar, whatever, and, and we're sitting there, and, you know, they've got the hookahs and the sheet going around, and, you know, people are smoking the, the flavored tobacco. And I was like, uh, can I get a shot of uh, uh, brandy or cognac? And the waiter just looked at me. He's like, are you sure? I said, yeah. I look at the price. I'm like, yeah, whatever, right? If I'm not mistaken, a shot was $97 US. You can get a, a probably medium class to upper medium class bottle of cognac for $97. But I digress. So uh, yeah, I learned my lesson uh, when I was down there, just one shot to get something going. But uh, it was a good time. It was an absolutely fantastic time. I wouldn't trade it in for anything in the world. I'd love to go back. I've traveled this planet uh, from Tokyo to Chicago, where you're at, to, to the West Coast, over in Denver, LA, Vegas, Bahrain, Italy. Uh, I would never change it. Love to do it all over again. Um, when I did ask you yesterday what your schedule was like, and you, I said, you know, what are you up to? Where are you? How can I get a hold of you? And you said, you know, I'm traveling a lot, but I'm home in Chicago, heading out um, west again soon, uh, beginning of April. Um, in terms of travel, how do you balance? all that travel because you still got to be healthy. You still got to make weight or sorry, you still got to keep your weight on in check. You still got to eat healthy. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy. People don't get it. It's, it's not easy. It sucks. Uh, do I get sick a lot? I actually get sick a lot when I was, uh, for people who don't know, I actually got pneumonia when I was down at Jackson Wink, um, which is crazy. Cause usually the first week when you're down in high elevation, high altitude, your body doesn't know how to react. So you get a little sick. Um, sadly I got so sick, I ended up progressing to pneumonia and I was out for pretty much a whole week of coughing out blood. And it was, it was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, and then I was able to come back and train hard and, and finish my last two weeks there, but a week wasted, which really, really sucked. And it's another, you know, good amount of money wasted too. But overall, I mean, traveling's hard. It, it takes a toll on the body and mainly for the big time UFC fighters, like for example, TJ, who have to train and travel all the time, do social media stuff, do Fox events do all the stuff for their sponsors and, and do that, giving them that at that level yet. But I do like to travel and train. I mean, what I'm doing, for example, is I'll be here for a week and a half. Uh, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, I go down to Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri for five days. And then from St. Louis, I fly to Denver, stay out there for five weeks. Denver, back to St. Louis, stay out there for three days, drive back up to Chicago five hours, stay here for maybe three, four days, and then fly to Miami to get my weight down and get ready to fight. It's it's a hassle. You have to stay healthy and you be you have to be able to, in a sense for me, live that nutrition lifestyle, being able to pick healthy foods. And hell, if you're going to eat crappy, you can still eat crappy, but being able to portion it, maintain it properly is going to help you in your lifestyle itself. And being able to get that weight down better and keep that weight down is, is the biggest thing. I mean, you hear of you know fighters like Johnny Hendricks and, and so many more who gain so much weight in between fights and they're not willing to in a sense adapt or change that lifestyle a little bit and that's why people struggle so much to make weight they go oh i'm not in fight camp binge 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 and then oh cool i got a last minute fight cool yeah i can get it down in two weeks and it's a struggle i mean you might be able to do it but you might not be able to perform at your best and that's the biggest thing that for me the nutrition lifestyle and the way i want to live and perform if i want to fight at my best i gotta be at my best all the time you know for me i'm at that point where you never know. I might get a last minute call up to the UFC. I had to stay low on my weight. You know, maybe, you know, Sergio Pettis is supposed to fight some guy and he has to back out. Oh, I'll fight Henry Cejudo next. You know, if that's the case, then so be it. I got to be ready in a week. I got to be ready in two weeks. And I got to keep my weight low no matter what. I'm not saying I can't enjoy my life. I can have a bag of chips, go out and eat some deep dish pizza or whatever the case, but I have to portion it properly where I can still 
put myself in check and be ready to fight at any moment. It's it's a struggle, but you know it's uh, people don't understand that. But it's it's something we have to do for the sport and for our living. Uh, you mentioned uh, Sergio Pettis and Henry Cejudo. They're, they're fighting each other in Dallas uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to get you to take off your fighter hat uh, and put on either your fan hat, your analyst hat, or both, uh, whatever you like. Uh, that's a huge fight, in my opinion, obviously. Uh, and I'm potentially stating the obvious, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but a huge fight for Sergio Pettis because if you get past Henry Cejudo, you're there, son. You're there because... Um, Mighty Mouse needs challengers. Mighty Mouse needs challengers. He's, he's taking on Wilson Hayes next. Uh, he's already fought Henry Cejudo. He's already fought Joseph Benavidez. You, don't, you know the UFC is not going to put that Benavidez fight with Mighty Mouse anytime soon. So Demetrius Johnson needs challengers. And if Sergio Pettis can get, get past Henry Cejudo, he's right there. I mean, when you look at that fight, what do you see? I see a very tough fight for both. Um, I see it being a tough fight for Sergio Pettis. And that Henry Cejudo is a fantastic wrestler. Sergio Pettis is a fantastic stand-up fighter. You know, that's the complete opposite, and it's a great fight for both of them, but then it's also a horrible fight for both of them. You know, we saw a huge difference in Henry Cejudo against Joseph Benavides. I didn't expect for Cejudo to come out the way he did and not even try to wrestle, but just try to stand up. That's not his way. He usually throws once-two, kind of like this, the whole Sambo style or, or a typical wrestler trying to fight. One-two, okay, we're going for a double leg or a single leg, and then it's just ground and pound the rest of the fight. You know, so... When he fought Benavides, that was a huge, huge game changer and a very close fight against a top veteran. Now you're fighting Sergio Pettis, who doesn't have the the wrestling pedigree and experience as Joseph Benavides. I feel Pettis is going to get taken down a lot, but how is he going to be able to react off his back? And how is he going to be able to change the game as when he finally does get to stand up? I think, you know, and I've gone with Sergio Pettis. The guy has phenomenal, phenomenal stand up. I mean, he his his head kicks come from everywhere. It's it's ridiculous because. Both Pettis brothers, the way they spar, the way they fight, they don't set up their hands. They more set up their leg kicks. Everything just – they throw, throw, throw hands. You finally put your hands down because you think they're done, and out of nowhere you get slapped by a foot. That's just – that's how it is. Um, so we'll see how it goes for Sergio Pettis. That is a very, very tough fight, but I believe he can't pull it off. He does have knockout power. He does, again, throw from every single angle, and he has been working with Izzy-style wrestling. Um practice skills against a very very top-notch wrestler like Henry Cejudo so we'll see how it goes but like you said if he does win that fight that's I don't see why he wouldn't fight Demetrius Johnson next uh, a mutual friend of ours Frankie Edgar is also on the card and he's taking on Yair Rodriguez and when you break down this fight I think all the pressure's on Frankie he's got to stop this up-and-comer who's just obviously defeating BJ Penn the way he defeated him uh, and now gets a top contender. If Yara Rodriguez can get past Frankie Edgar, holy smokes, that division uh, opens right up uh, for title challengers, especially for Rodriguez and, and, and you know, looking at the, guy, the likes of Max Holloway and, and Jose Aldo Jr. Uh, I think all the pressure's on Frankie in this fight. Does Frankie still have it to go with these young Lions? Uh, or, does he, or does Yara Rodriguez not have enough to get past the, you know, the guy at the top there? You know, for me, beating BJ Penn, and this is no offense to BJ, but he's just not the same person as what he was. You know, he's not the same animal where he comes forward, 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 and eventually you're going to go down, whether it's from stand-up or he takes you down. You know, Yair Rodrigo is pretty much hitting a bag. You know, no offense against a BJ, but he was just throwing at every single angle, and Yair knows how to use his length, and that's exactly what he did during that fight. BJ just wasn't able to touch him. Frankie Edgar's beating BJ very decisively, mainly the last time. Um, and I think Frankie Edgar is a very, very different person compared to BJ. So characterizing, characterizing those guys together, uh, you know, it's, it's a whole different thing. But Frankie Edgar, I mean, what was his last fight against Jeremy Stevens? Was it? Yeah. 
Yep. Um, and he was able to beat another, you know, young up and comer who's much bigger, much stronger, and he was able to handle him well, use his veteran experience to win that fight. I think he showcased his skills that like he's still there, he's still a contender. He just so happened to lose to Jose Aldo again, you know. But for every up and comer, Frankie Edgar's that guy to beat. You know, Edgar has has a lot of pressure on him, but he has that veteran experience. I think he's going to keep the fight as close as possible. But yeah, yours never fought fighter like Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar does take all these different angles. He's very, very forward, and he's a fantastic wrestler. And I believe he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, so he knows his stuff. You know, and Yair is mainly, from what I know, just a stand-up guy. I know he has his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but, you know, how's he going to do against Frankie Edgar? Uh, for those – sorry, go ahead. Close, I think it's a very close fight. For those looking at uh, Jose's screen, if you look over his right shoulder or at his left shoulder, there's pictures of Muhammad Ali there. The one over his right shoulder is the exact same one I have uh, on my wall. Uh, It's an iconic picture. Uh, We we all basically come from boxing when you think about it from the combat sports world. Uh, Especially a guy my age, early 40s, uh, it was boxing first before MMA uh, became around in in 1993, November of 1993. Uh, So on the boxing tip, I don't know, Shorty, this Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight is likely going to happen because I've been saying it the minute Dana White made that offer to Floyd Mayweather uh, for $25 million, I said that's the sign I was looking for. The UFC and the new ownership or the current ownership, excuse me, I should got to stop saying new, but the current ownership, they see dollar signs and they're looking to make back that massive investment they made when they purchased the UFC. And with Conor McGregor going to California, getting his license, getting his boxing license, putting him under the Muhammad Ali Act, causing a lot of problems and issues and stuff like that. Uh, but now that you see these dollar signs, uh, and I think some way, somehow, there's a lot of stuff that needs to take place. And then Dana goes on Conan and says, yep, this fight's going to take place, but there's egos involved with Connor's side, Floyd's side, their people, distribution, obviously. Where is it going to go? Is it going to go on pay-per-view? Is it going to go on Showtime, HBO, whatever? Um, the venue, I think Floyd likes MGM. The UFC has their new home. Uh, but the bottom line is, Shorty, this fight can take place. What do you think? It's. I think it's going to take place. It's a money fight for both of them. I don't believe that they would deny a huge opportunity like that. But Conor McGregor has to understand, one, besides the boxing skill, and I think Floyd May- Mayweather is easily going to dominate this fight. Um but Conor McGregor has to understand this is a whole t- different situation. You're not in your world anymore. You're in a different aspect. And that's boxing. MMA boxing is completely different from boxing, boxing, legit 100% boxing. Besides the skill reference, when it comes to it, you know, Money Mayweather has his name. He's been there for years, and now he's doing his 50th fight. This is his world. I, I think you have to go under his negotiations. And either way, you're still making the biggest paycheck you've ever made before, Conor. So that's exactly what he needs to do is hey accept the terms you're going to make a crap load of money anyways and you're going to get the publicity that you're looking for against you know floyd mayweather um i think if he goes under mayweather promotions and does the whole showtime thing and they get it all set up for that it's 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 a win-win for everybody the only problem is ufc and conor mcgregor are looking for too much money and that's something that's going to backfire in making this fight happen i always knew you were a smart guy <laughs> I always knew you were a smart guy. But uh, before I go on to my next question, you said you got your bachelor's degree. It, it, what did you get it in? Uh, sports and exercise science. So kinesiology, if you want to say. All right. Uh, you're a smart dude. Uh, I like the way you broke that down. Um, did you have a chance to watch the UC London show? Uh, no, I did not. I actually didn't know there was that big of a time difference that they were starting earlier, so I didn't get a chance to watch it. But I watched uh, the 
the HBO boxing fights with Triple G, Daniel Jacobs, and uh, Roman Jogalatito Gonzalez against his opponent at itself. I mean, made up for, for UFC London for me since I missed it, but I, I saw there were some great knockouts. But I heard Brett Johnson fight. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. Cool. That was really, really sucks because uh, Brett Johnson's talking, at, you know, him and I talk once in a while. It just, you know, it, it sucks to hear. Yeah, he's his run lately has sucked like two years now, maybe more like the poor guy. Like I, it's from, it's not an injury. It's, it's a weight thing or it's opponent thing. I, I just feel bad for the guy, but hopefully he gets back in there soon. Um, there's a break in between these UFC events. Like we're talking three weeks. Today's March 20th. The next UFC event is April 8th. So it's three weeks away. So we're going to get some, uh, some big time breaks uh, in terms of what's happening uh, in the world of the UFC. Uh, obviously we do have some Bellator stuff going on, but the next big show for the UFC is Daniel Cormier versus Rumble Johnson. It's a rematch uh, for the light heavyweight championship of the world. Um, who are you leaning towards and why? Um, I'm going to go with Rumble Johnson just because the very first time we saw him in the first round, he was able to drop Cormier. I mean, he, his last few fights, he's just been dominating people. I think his, his biggest last fight was uh, Glover Teixeira. He just knocked him out with an uppercut, no problem. You know, it took what, like thirty seconds. <laughs> you know, and it was one hit. And that's the power that Daniel, or excuse me, that um, Anthony Johnson has. It's it's ridiculous. The biggest reason why Cormier was able to win the fight before that is because of his veteran experience skills when it comes to the guys he's fought, the caliber of guys he's fought, and being able to have that wrestling. He was able to to, to manipulate Anthony Johnson on the ground and just show that. Hey man, you are helpless here. Once I took you down, or once he took him down, it was it was it was ridiculous. It looked like Khabib and the bear, you know. And 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 Anthony Johnson was the bear. You know, it was it was a horrible, horrible performance. I think on Anthony Johnson's part because all he knew was to stand up. He didn't have any takedown defense. He didn't have any jujitsu offense. And all he was trying to do was stand up. But Daniel Cormier is a veteran at that. That's all he wants to do is hold you down. And if he gets a chance to do that, he's going to do that. And that's what he did. He just tired out Anthony Johnson, and you put him in situations where all you're trying to do is fight to get up, but, dude, you're not getting up, so you're just wasting your energy. And he was able to – I believe he choked him out in, uh, in the fight. I believe in this next fight, Anthony Johnson is going to be much more prepared for that and is going to try to keep this fight standing as much as possible. And if he does get taken down, we'll see how he reacts. But I believe he's going to be much more ready for this, uh, this up-and-coming fight, mainly when he goes down to the ground. We'll see what uh, little tips he has, you know, secrets he has up his sleeve. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Shorty. I'm I'm not going to make a prediction on this fight just yet because I just want to really look at that last fight. I want to watch that last fight. Uh, I want to take a look at the numbers. Uh, I want to crunch it down. So for those that know, I'll have an article up uh, likely the day before the event. Uh, if I travel down there, I'll probably pre-write it. If not, when I get down there, um, I'll write it. But I want to take a closer look at this fight here to determine who's got who's got the edge because it, I, I like this fight, man. I really, really like it. Uh, I also don't mind the co-main event. Chris Weidman taking on Gigard Musashi. Uh, I People might laugh, but I'm already leaning toward uh, Musashi in this fight. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go with Musashi in this fight as well. You know, Chris Weidman did well in his last performance against Yoel Romero, but I mean, we just saw the the explosiveness of Yoel, um, and I don't think Chris Weidman's been the same after he's he lost to uh, Rockhold. So I don't know how it's going to go. Musashi is a guy coming up and trying to do his thing and show that he's ready for the belt, and I believe beating, beating Chris Weidman is going to signify that. All right. 
we're going to wrap this up right now. Uh, once again, they can follow you uh, on social media. Let us know in, in a moment here. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at Shorty Torres 125 on Twitter, uh, Jose Shorty Torres on Instagram, uh, Jose Shorty Torres MMA on Facebook. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, before we let you go, uh, what's going on for you over the next week or so? All right. So be in Chicago for a week and a half. Um, actually, right after this, going to boxing, working on my stand-up, being able to go down to St. Louis, uh, watching my uh, girl get her citizenship, her paperwork. Yay. <laughs> um, so she's going to inaugurate it. So yay. Um, Where's she from? She's from Mexico. Born in Juarez, Mexico. So uh, doing that, then flying over to Denver, getting beat up by TJ for a little bit. And actually, for people who don't know and who want to follow me more on my social media, um, a lot of people want to know all my travel experiences and want to see what's coming up for me, you know, in a, in a day to life. You know, instead of a UFC embedded, you know, the week of, we're going to do a UFC embedded every single week. So what I'm going to do is the documentary that I've been filming for a year, we're going to do a web series where it comes out every single week. And also later on that week, we're going to do an updated version of how my week is going so far. And that week is going to include... Uh, Bang Ludwig, it's going to include TJ Dillashaw, it's going to include Muscle Farm and all the gyms out there and everything that I'm doing. So we're going to see, in a sense, the day of life of Shorty and uh, not a big life. But um, overall, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to be updating people as much as possible. So, again, follow me on social media, and you're going to get all those social media links of where to watch these exclusive videos and, in a sense, a Shorty Embedded. I love it. Absolutely awesome. We want to thank you for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, for those of you that tuned in live, we thank you very much. Tuning in later on on Stitcher or on iTunes, we also thank you very much. Don't forget, at Fightful MMA on social media, FightfulMMA.com for all your mixed martial arts news. Yours truly, Joe Farrell, can be found on on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Showdown Joe. Uh, Don't forget, tomorrow, Elias Theodoro, UFC middleweight, will be joining me uh, at 3 p.m. We have no idea where he's going to be. Like Shorty, these guys travel everywhere, and I can't keep track of them. They got to tell me, and hopefully, I know where the heck they are. As long as I got good Wi Fi and I can hear and see them, we are good. But for now, we thank Shorty Torres. We thank you, uh, the viewers and listeners, uh, for tuning in uh, tomorrow. Fightful MMA podcast with Elias Theodoro at 3 p.m. Eastern. For now, ciao for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.